live from the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Speaking of no doubters, here's Bryce Harper, the pitch. Swing and a high fly ball drilled right center field, way back, gone! Bryce Harper, a solo homer, and the Phillies lead it two to nothing as he circles the bases, and they're going crazy here at the bank. And no, we are not singing happy birthday to yours truly. We are not singing happy birthday to Matt Josephs, who's hanging around for a special edition of Mashup Monday on Tuesday. We're not even singing happy birthday to our producer extraordinaire, AJ, who found that song within about 30 minutes, 30 seconds of me suggesting it. That birthday music, boy, Bryce. Is for the guy who you heard just hit that home run, ESPN Radio at 1061 ESPN last night. Yeah, how about Bryce Harper on his 31st birthday, first pitch he sees, first at bat from Zach Gallon last night, and he crushes it out of the ballpark. And if you were watching or if you saw the highlights this morning as he came across home plate, he held up three fingers in one hand and one finger in the other, 31 and he blew out his fingers. He blew out his candles, and the place went even more nuts. And the reason I know that, I'm going to tell you right off of the bat because we'll talk about it for a while because I must admit I am pretty darn excited about it. If you listen very, very carefully and very, very closely to the crowd noise there beyond the play-by-play description, you might have heard one Bob Black screaming his lungs out last night. Because, yes, I just couldn't resist. And at the last instant, at the last moment Sunday, made the decision to make the drive to Philly and experience what all this hullabaloo about Red October is all about. And, boy, am I ever glad I did because it was a blast last night. Just as the Phillies blasted three home runs in the first 23 pitches that they saw from a really good pitcher in Zach Gallen, the home runs by Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, and then Nick Castellanos igniting the Phils to a 5-3 win over the Arizona Diamondbacks, one game to none lead in the National League Championship Series. And I do want to get a little up close and personal with this one from yesterday because it was really a lot of fun. It was an absolute blast. Uh, Probably set me back a little bit financially but it was worth every penny of it what were the old mastercard commercials about priceless well i paid for the tickets with mastercard and it was a priceless experience welcome to the sports huddle on a tuesday afternoon it is a feel-good tuesday even without sean robertson and with matt josephs who helps make it a feel-good tuesday 
I'm feeling pretty good after what I witnessed in person last night at Citizens Bank Park. Of course, Matt and I are both Phillies fans, so we're both feeling pretty good about it going into Game 2 of the National League Championship Series. Tonight, we'd love to talk about that. Definitely want to talk some baseball to get our show going today. Um, The Atlantic 10 holding its media day today. We'll talk a little bit about that as well, the preseason prognostications, all of that. We'll get into some commander's talk as well. And I know Matt has this um, funky list of all the college football teams in all levels of the NCAA rated from 1 to 500,000 or whatever it is. And we'll get into that before we even get to 5 o'clock this afternoon. 804-327-0888. We'll put you on the air. It is also our text line, 327-0888. Matt, have you been to a game in Philly in a while? Because I will tell you, one of the reasons that I was so hell-bent on going Monday night was just to experience that vibe. Obviously, going to a playoff game and a championship series game was enticing enough but I really did want to experience all that's going on in our home city, and it certainly lived up to the billing. I have not. Um, I'm jealous uh, There are many reasons uh, of you being being able to go. But, uh, yes, I, it's been a while that since I've uh, headed, headed north for a game. Yeah, it, it was truly amazing on a couple fronts. Everything they say about the noise and the level and – Basically, the shaking of the stadium and people on their feet virtually the entire game, all of that is true. But the other thing that I learned is Philadelphia has become a much kinder, gentler city by the successes of primarily the Phillies and the Eagles. There is just a a vibe about the Philadelphia sports fan right now that I don't ever remember experiencing in how kind of nice it is, how positive it is. Do they still second-guess decisions? Of course they do. Do they still get frustrated? Yeah. But it's not the same as I think both you and I remember from years gone by. And I guess success just does that for you. I think almost to a degree – and listening to their sports radio and just talking to people in, like, the parking lots and the ballpark, I was like, is this really Philadelphia? It's really – I got to tell you, it really is a cool thing to witness right now, Matt. Uh, yeah, you can feel the energy through the TV. And I think, obviously, it's what uh, Trey Turner said when he decided to come to Philadelphia. He watched the playoffs last year. Uh, and it's something that you you could feel through the TV, but obviously not as well as actually being there. All right, so let me give you um, three personal things kind of from the game that you wouldn't obviously witness on uh, television, and maybe nobody will care one iota about it, but I went all the way up 95, which stunk again, by the way, going up 95. Uh, It was much better coming back down 95 today. But since I went all that way, I figure, what the heck? The first one, now the tickets were outrageous, and I had to get them on one of those third-party sites, right? You know, SeatGeek, Vivid. Um, game time, whatever. I don't even remember which one we got them off of. Um, so, so they were outlandishly expensive. But, Matt, you kind of know the setup up there. And, A.J., you can chime in here as well on the first one. One of the most positive parts of my experience last night occurred going into one of the parking lots. We parked literally right across Patterson Avenue in the Lincoln Financial Field lot, which is right across the street from Citizens Bank Park, literally where we parked the car and set up a a brief tailgate, about an hour worth of tailgating. If I had a 
a decent arm. I could have either thrown a football or a baseball, and I could have hit Citizens Bank Park. How much do you think parking was that close to the stadium? Any idea? Either one of you? $35. AJ, what say All you? I know is I thought you were at some fancy restaurant yeah, when you, you sent the picture. You yeah, really, no you way really you were that close to that. the stadium. Either I had a really bad picture that I sent you or, yeah, something. because I You needed really, a phone, too, yeah. Yeah, I probably <laughs> – the other pictures are much better that I sent, by the way. So what do you – so you know how close I was where we parked. Oh, Matt I mean, yes, th- like 35. you could literally throw a football at the stadium. Right. So Matt thought 35 bucks. How much do you think? Uh, going off my commander's experience this year, <laughs> I'm going to say 200 No, it wasn't that much. Matt, you're, you're much closer. Uh, because I had a terrible experience in Washington when I went to a Nats game earlier this year. It actually worked out because I took the Metro, which was great. Only cost like five bucks. But in D.C., they have different prices for different lots. I guess how close you are to the stadium or how far away you are from the stadium. And not even all that close to Nats Park. It was like 50 bucks to park. I couldn't believe it. Where I parked last night was $25. I couldn't believe how reasonable that was. And every lot was $25. It didn't matter if you were across the street from Citizens Bank Park or you were a half a mile away. It was 25 bucks to park, which is what it was in the regular season. Because when I went to a regular season game there, it was 25 And I was like, there's no way they haven't jacked up the prices. They've got to do that. Like, I almost felt guilty that they didn't do that to make a little bit more money so they could pay Schwarber and Turner and Harper and Castellanos. But, yeah, so that was impression number one. Felt really good about parking where we did, having an opportunity to tailgate for about an hour, and it only cost 25 bucks to do that literally we get in the stadium aj what was the one thing in the summertime that i was that i really regretted not doing when i went to the game in philadelphia this is a food question so i ask you this do you remember yeah eating a new york nathan's hot dog very funny very yeah, funny philly cheesesteak not having the philly cheesesteak so i made sure i was getting my philly cheesesteak as that game began i literally put it in my hand took the first bite and Kyle Schwarber hit the first pitch out of the ballpark. It was perfect karma. It was, you know, it was like, this is the greatest cheesesteak of all time. Which, by the way, it wasn't. It was pretty good. Um, cheese but whiz? It was, it was, uh, no, and I had provolone instead of cheese whiz. So maybe I should have done the cheese whiz on it. But look, I wanted to be in my seat. I wanted to see the game. And I literally unwrapped it, took the first bite, and Schwarber hits the ball out of the ballpark. I knew it was going to be a really good night. Um, from that standpoint. So the cheesesteak was good. I wouldn't call it great, but since I was eating it in front of the Phillies Diamondbacks game, it tasted even better. But um, from our conversation in the summer, AJ, I did make up for that, did get the cheesesteak. White cheese is better. What's that? White cheese is better anyway. Well, that's what I had, right? Because I had the provolone, which is what I would normally have anyway. So it was provolone, the fried onions, and the cheesesteak. It oh. just need it needed just a little bit more flavor. But look, they're mass producing these. There's forty five thousand people in the ballpark. So so I get it. It's not gonna be that, you know, unique, you know, homemade, one of a kind cheesesteak. So it was still pretty good. Also, last question, did you put down your your steak and throat slash when he hit the home run? I did not. A harp when Harper hit his home run, you mean? 
No, because even Bryce Harper's a kinder, gentler guy. He, he put up birthday candles for himself and blew out the birthday candles. There was no throat slash last night from Bryce Harper. But what I was doing was waving my uh, red fighting red October towel over my head, so which I have right here. I mean, if I was in the studio, I'd have brought it in with me. So that's two. Matt, I'm going to bring you into the third one because you will absolutely love this one. And I might be speaking a little bit out of t- turn here. I'm not sure. So I convinced my son to go with and uh, my future daughter-in-law, his fiance, even though he is a huge Braves fan, he swallowed hard and said, for dear old dad, I'm going to go, and I want to I want to experience what that vibe was like. He's a big baseball fan. So that was great. And Jamie, is, his fiance, is a Giants fan. She's from the West Coast. So neither one of them particularly had much of a rooting interest, particularly Will. I think he was deep down probably rooting for the Diamondbacks, and, and I certainly don't blame him for that. Jamie is a converted Phillies fan. She had a Phillies hat on, and, you know, so God love her for that. But anyway, we're talking, and Will has, I don't know the relationship here, a buddy who has a buddy who has a buddy, something like that. And, Matt, you can explain this better than than I can. He had a parlay last night, $5 parlay, Schwarber, Harper, Castellanos to Homer in the game. It's going to pay a lot, that's for sure. Yeah, and he had it in the first 23 pitches of the game. How about that? Uh, It's impressive. Isn't it? 650 bucks. he won off a $5 parlay for Schwarber, Harper, Castellanos to Homer. How cool pretty is good. That? Yeah, isn't it? Uh, and then he said another buddy of his had um, over-under on Gallon to get through the fifth inning. And, boy, was he sweating it out because they were ready to take him out um, in that fifth inning. And I guess he wound up finishing up the fifth. And it turned out to be a really good game. Uh, Phils went up 5 nothing. D-backs came back to get it to 5-3, had the tying run at the plate in the ninth inning. Um, really cool experience. So there's my personal experience from last night. Um, I didn't see much of the other game. Apparently, I watched some of the highlights this morning. I guess that was a pretty darn good game as well, and Texas is up. Two games to none now with a 5-4 win. Astros had the bases loaded, nobody out, and I think the fifth inning and got zero out of it on back-to-back strikeouts. So pretty amazing performances here by the Rangers. And, Matt, this is really ironic. How cool would it be for Max Scherzer to win game three for the Texas Rangers going back home to Arlington tomorrow? Uh, I'm rooting for the Astros. That's the only way the Phillies would be the home team in the World Series. The Rangers have the tiebreaker, so uh, it would be nice if the Astros... And plus, I want revenge for last year. But was that hard for you to say as much vitriol and hatred as you've had for the Astros? The cheating Astros, as we used to call them? I mean, clearly they don't have the trash cans anymore. They wouldn't have (laughs) lost at home if they had them, or the buzzers, whatever it is. (laughs) Yes, it was. But I'm with you on that. I'm kind of rooting for the Astros for the two reasons that you just talked about. Home field for the Phillies, which is a thing, by the way. It is a real thing. I can tell you that. Uh, The other part of it last night that actually helped me out as an older person i was ready i was ready to stand the whole game up and down the whole game all that we were in the second row of the upper deck of the 300 level along the third baseline fabulous seats actually but the folks sitting in front of us in row one because they had nobody in front of them they didn't have to get up all the time and they didn't they got up at the key right moments but not the whole game so that enabled us to stay seated as much as we wanted to as well 
and I really appreciated that. We were up a lot, but not the entire game because the folks in front of us in row one weren't up the entire game, and we could see everything, and it was it was really cool. But I, I was I was waving the red towel, was ready to be up all the time, didn't necessarily have to, but again. It was it was an absolute blast. We had a great time there last night, and I highly recommend it. If you ever get a chance, um, you do have to convince yourself that it's worth whatever you're going to wind up paying. Extraordinary fees for these tickets, but for a one-time deal, what the heck? It was it was definitely worth it. All right, so we've got game two of that series on our airwaves tonight here on 106.1 ESPN, starting at 7:30, uh, with first pitch at 8:07 in Philadelphia. All right, here's what else we've got coming up on today's Sports Huddle. Here's what's coming up on today's Sports Huddle. Just a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown on this Tuesday afternoon is brought to you by the American Red Cross, the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. Your help is needed for the Red Cross to continue to be on call for local or national emergencies. To learn how you can volunteer or donate blood, visit redcross.org. Hey, after the break, my other favorite topic to talk about is college basketball and the Atlantic 10. They held their media day today at Barclays Center in Brooklyn. I know Matt mentioned it, touched on it briefly in the 3 o'clock hour. I want to get back into that. On the preseason prognostications, they had the first, second, third, uh, all A-10 preseason team, I guess the all-defensive team as well. So we'll talk a little bit about that in the next segment. And then, Matt, refresh my memory again. What is this intriguing list that we want to uh, talk about here before you leave us at 5 o'clock? So Bill Connolly, he's a nerd. Um, He's got nerd numbers. They're called SP Plus that he does for ESPN. And usually it's just the FBS teams that he does it for. And I guess for some reason, uh, today he decided to rank every team from the FBS, FCS, Division Two, and Division Three from 1 to 665. So I wrote down the state schools that matter, at least to us in this area, uh, and we'll tell you where they all get ranked and how tight some of the areas are and how, uh, you know, ex- how big the margin is for other areas. Did he give any kind of, like, guideline to how he did this, number crunching, whatever, because let's be obvious and honest here, unbeaten Randolph-Macon, which we think is a great football team, isn't exactly going to play Georgia in the Sugar Bowl and compete. So was there any kind of rhyme or reason to that? No. He just said that he ranked all teams from uh, 1 to 665. He said that there's a 28-point difference between each level on the average, and he did not include the NAIA um, because he's not confident in that aspect of the rankings. All right, we'll have some fun with that because I think you would have to put the worst FBS team still ahead of the best Division three team. Well, it's ironic you mentioned that because there is a local team who is one spot behind the worst FBS team in America. And it's a Division three team or Division two. I can't tell you that, Bob. We have to keep the people. <laughs> it's called a radio tease, Bob. <laughs> You're keeping me guessing too, which is kind of fun. So, all right, let's take a break. Let's come back. I want to do the Atlantic Ten stuff for for at least a short segment, and then we'll we'll definitely get into that because you have you know wet my whistle here to hear a little bit more about it because you have it in front of you, I don't. So I will I would love to follow along with you on that one. So we'll do all that uh, coming up. Five thirty. Darrell Owens is going to join us. Legacy Maker Sports Network. He was at the. 
uh, Commanders-Falcons game on Sunday. Not one of the prettiest, more aesthetically pleasing games, but a win for the Commanders nonetheless. So we'll talk with Darrell about that and preview this week's game against the um, hapless New York Giants. All of that, plus maybe we talk a little Monday night football, though obviously I did not watch a single down of that game. I just heard that the Cowboys won the game. It was the only little blemish to an otherwise perfect night last night in the city of brotherly love we're back here in the rva we're back here in richmond virginia and we'll be back as the sports huddle continues on a special tuesday mashup edition of sports huddle and border to border he's matt josephs i'm bob black aj is pushing the buttons producing this afternoon on 1061 espn season is in full swing and we don't want anyone to forget we have nfl coverage every sunday afternoon as well as every dallas cowboys broadcast here on your home for sports in the river city 1061 espn richmond with you here matt joseph's there special mashup monday edition of our programs on tuesday because i did not have a monday show because of the baseball playoff uh game the american league championship series that started in the afternoon and then the national league at night so we're catching up a little bit here and today was atlantic 10 Men's Basketball Media Day up there at Barclays Center in Brooklyn, where the conference tournament will be played again this year in March. Uh, Preseason poll, Matt. Top five, Dayton again for the second consecutive year. VCU second, St. Bonaventure third, Duquesne four, and St. Joseph's five. I'll tell you this. uh, Dayton and VCU, I think we all probably could have guessed in one order or the other. VCU one, Dayton two, Dayton one, VCU two. But I'm really surprised. Um, This is almost a little changing of the guard here in the A-10, isn't it? St. Bonaventure normally would not surprise me, but they were coming off of a relatively mediocre year. They had to replace all five starters. Um, We all know what a great coach Mark Schmidt is, and obviously he's getting that program back to where it was as a preseason number three already. And then Duquesne and St. Joe's, that has to be as high preseason pick for both of those teams as they've had in a long while. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, at St. Joe, I feel like they've been building, but I mean, and they've got, you know, the right players in place with Eric Reynolds and some of the other guys, Cameron Brown and things like that. But like, it's one of those things where the talent may be in place, but I need to see them to start winning. I kind of lump them in with George Washington, who's ninth in that poll. Like, I feel like George Washington's got a lot of good players, but they have to have, they have to actually start winning before I can actually pick them to start winning. And maybe that's why the Bonnies got as much as a three, because we do know they have a history and a recent history of winning, being successful. I think we all agree Mark Schmidt, if not the best coach in the A-10, is right there you know, in that conversation of best coaches in the A-10. Because they were, they were several games under 500 last year. They were 14 and 18. Um, and to your point, St. Joe's was kind of mediocre right there as well, but maybe a little bit on the uptick at, at 16 and 17. So I was a little bit surprised by St. Joe's. And then, you know, Duquesne had a, a good year last season, terrible schedule to get to 20 wins, but they did have 20 wins and they were over 500 in the conference. But it's not normal for us to be uttering names like Duquesne and St. Joe's on August 17th as in the top five preseason uh, polls. 
Yeah, and uh, just to kind of compare it to something, Ken Pomeroy put out his um, flipped his website to 2024, and he has Dayton number one, and then he has St. Bonaventure two, Loyola Chicago three, and wow. uh, VCU four. Um, so he's got a little bit different. He's got Richmond. Um, he's got them eighth, which is a little higher than wow. where they are in yeah. the preseason poll. Um, but this is obviously based off of just a whole lot of formulas and things like that. But uh, slightly different than what the media or is it the media or is it the coaches who vote for this? You're like the third person who's asked me that today. I'm embarrassed and ashamed to say I don't know. I think it's coaches and maybe SIDs. I don't think the media is involved in this one. We, we can get an, I can get an answer for you on that pretty quickly. But you're about the third person who's asked me that today, and I should know the answer to that, and I don't. The Loyola, and I have not done a lot of research and studying on the teams just yet. I'm still kind of in football mode, even though basketball's bearing down on us in like three weeks. But you got to remember, Loyola was 10-21 and 21 last year. Their first year in the 8-10, they won four games. And, you know, to be preseason eight in this poll, and what did you say, even higher than that in the other one? Yeah, right? third. Third. Man, they must have done a heck of a recruiting job there at, at Loyola, huh? I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, and it's it. I think Drew Valentine had a good roster last year. I think part of the struggles were that he's you know new year in the A10, and it looks like outside of one or two guys, they have a lot of that team back. The, um, the Richmond thing does not surprise me in the least. In fact, it would not have surprised me if they'd been even a little bit lower than 11, my, primarily because it's the great unknown with them, with, with these with these transfers coming in, with, with losing Tyler Burton. Nobody really knows a lot about them. So being at number 11, which is where they finished in the regular season standings last year, so I guess that kind of makes a little bit of sense. But again, to my point about the changing of the guard, there's Richmond and Davidson, you know, two of the last three A-10 champions at 11 and 12 in the preseason poll. Not that the polls mean anything, of course. We all know that, certainly. But it is a little bit unusual. And in the other one, you said Richmond was as high as number eight. Uh, that's interesting to, to, to me also. Maybe somebody or some formula knows something about these transfers that are, you know, going to be solid Atlantic 10 players. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Ken Palm projects a 16 and 13 record. And obviously they play, I believe you, you play more than 29 games. And, I, and right. it doesn't account for the team they'll play after the Colorado game. But um, there's a lot of toss ups in there. And that's why it's 16 and 13 as opposed to, you know, a couple more games. Yeah, they obviously have 31 scheduled, you know, 30 of the opponents they know, and you're right, they don't know the one for the second day of that Thanksgiving week tournament down there in uh, in Daytona Beach. Anything from the uh, preseason all-conference team that, that you saw on any of those lists, either first, second, third team, or defensive team, or anything? Yeah, why is there six? There's five <laughs> basketball players. You, you hate that. <laughs> See, I'm okay with it. I, I, I'm absolutely okay with it. I, I Primarily, I'm okay with it because there's 15 teams in the conference. There's just too many teams in the conference to pick five guys. That's number one. Number two, what's wrong with it? I mean, who cares, really? And at the end of the year, does anybody really care if you were on an all-conference first team because there were six guys or five? I say no to that. I'm being a kinder, gentler Philly fan again. And lastly, the Atlantic 10 does give out an award for the sixth man of the year. So I think they just group that position in with the other five and come up with six. I know you don't like it, Matt, but it's five and your first sub. How about that? It's better than the uh, Pac-12 that I believe has 10. Um, that's a little much. 
there are some coaches in the A-10 who I have talked to who would be fine with that, actually, that if they had a vote and they were, could do the top top 10 as first team, and that'd be it. They wouldn't even do a second or third team. They, they, would, they would be fine with that. But I, I think that's kind of the reasoning. I think it's just a nice thing. Look, we don't want to be Little League. We don't want everybody to get a trophy at the end of the day. I get that. But with 15 teams in the league, I don't really have a problem expanding the, the first team to at least a sixth um, position on there no spiders no rams on the first team um matt shulga was on uh, max shulga was on the second team right from vcu and sean barstow was on the third team right from yes. VCU with with neil quinn of richmond right correct yeah all right so there there you go all right so that that takes you through what the atlantic 10 did today again all of that is meaningless come november 6th when we start when we start playing games but again they went dayton vcu st bonaventure duquesne st joe as the top five richmond was at number 11 in the preseason poll and i'll get an answer for you as to who actually votes um for that hopefully during this commercial break when we come back on the other side matt's coming back to get us started on this all-encompassing college football ranking of all divisions of college football we'll dive into that next uh mashup monday on a tuesday on 1061 espn big al matt josephs and bob black what could these four names possibly have in common not all too much. Are you listening? You ready? But they all talk sports, and they can be heard on these airwaves. Are you ready? Keep it locked on 1061 ESPN Richmond for the best local sports talk in town. Welcome back. Mashup Tuesday, usually on a Monday. Matt Josephs, Bob Black here, uh, taking you up to 5 o'clock with the two of us, and then Bob is on from 5 until 6. And I teased it during my show, and I said, you know what? I think Bob would appreciate this, too. So let's do it during my hour with Bob. And I'm, uh, you're not looking at it right now, right, Bob? No, I, I am not. Okay. Well, I'm just making sure. No, 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 no. Should, should, no. Okay. No, I'm going, I'm, I'm going in blind here. I'm intrigued, Matt. Very. Uh, so for those who weren't listening before, Bill Connolly, who's a nerd for ESPN and does nerd numbers, uh, it's called SP+. And it's something that, you know, he puts out every week when it comes to the FBS matchups. He says, you know, this team's favored 36-35 over this other team. And I, I don't know what prompted this, but today uh, he put out their rankings. And it was for the FBS, FCS, D2, and D3. So it's 665 teams listed. <laughs> and I'm guessing he didn't do much work on this, Bob, because he probably has a spreadsheet and just copy and pasted the spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those who want to know, Michigan's number one. Fitchburg State is 665. <sighs> that was my first question, was not who's number one, who's number 665. So you've answered that. Correct. Um, what are they, D3, right, Fitchburg State? Yes, they are D3. The lowest okay. state school, which we don't pay attention to, is Southern Virginia. They're at 650. Uh, unless some of these other schools that clearly don't tell me where they are are in the state of Virginia. But Southern Virginia is the lowest of the state schools. It's 650. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, um, I went through and I, I, I wrote down all the teams in the state and where they are. Um, so, obviously, as you know, the flagship, they're number one. <laughs> they're at 43. Um, okay. Which is close wow. to where they are this week in ranking, right? Didn't they come in at like 26? About, yes. Yes, okay. Um, they are in between Tulane and Oklahoma State. Uh, that's 42 and 44. Uh, of note, South Dakota State is 29th. So there is an FCS team that wow. people think is very, very, very good. Mm-hmm. Jack um, Rabbits. 
So JMU is 43. Next up, who do you think's number two, Bob? Uh, I, I want to say Liberty, but I'm not going to. I'm probably uh, this. I would not agree with this, but I'm going to say Virginia Tech. It is Liberty, and okay, they're good, they're, good, they're not good, that good. far behind. They're only 15 spots. Liberty is 58 right now. Okay. Um, they're in between Minnesota and Illinois, so they're actually better than Illinois and one spot behind Minnesota. So Liberty. Now the thing is, Bob, and I was talking about Liberty is the easiest schedule, pretty close to the history of college football. Like they're playing nobody, and it's not their fault. Their conference stinks, and their non-conference stinks. But like they have an easy schedule, and they haven't lost as they get ready for their game tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, Bob, who is number three? Well, if I was guessing between Liberty and Virginia Tech, I guess I better stick with my guns here, and I'll, I'll you know, kind of grit my teeth a little bit and say Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is correct. They are at 71, so only 13 spots there. Oh, that was close then. Um, they right. are be- uh, worse than Toledo and better than North Dakota State. That is 70 and 72. Huh. Uh, Montana State is better than Virginia Tech. They are 66. So, so that's another one. That's another FCS, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, then who's next? Um, I want to say William and Mary, being the FCS guy that I am. So I'm going to. I'm going to say William and Mary. That is incorrect, oh. and I don't understand this. Virginia is next, and Virginia what? is at 88. Wow. Boo on that one. I don't. I, I guess because they beat William and Mary, they're ahead of them. Congrats, well, Virginia. Your first win of the year. <laughs> yeah, right. So they're between Texas State and Utah State, 87 89. Uh, there is an FCS team that's better than them. Also, Holy Cross is at 84. So we're still kind of sprinkling FCS teams in, in, in this area. Oh, and I realized I left the team out, too, in my thinking here. Uh, all right, are, are so we, then who's next? Oh, well, I'm going to get in trouble with Robert Ole here because I forgot all about them, to be honest with you, which would be Old Dominion. But I said William and Mary, so I'm going to stick with that and say William and Mary just a little bit ahead of Old Dominion. How about that? And, and oh. Old Dominion is 110th on this oh, list. Man, all right. I did forget about them. I must admit, I think if I had gone back, I might have, I might have said them ahead, but I'll stick with it. Okay. All right. So there are seven FCS teams better than Old Dominion, and now we're starting to see more FCS teams behind them. But Old Dominion is 110th. They're one spot behind Northern Illinois and then ahead of three other FCS schools. Now who's next? Well, then I'm, I'm going to stick with the tribe until you call their name out here. So William and Mary. They are 122nd. That is correct. They are 122nd, one spot behind Colorado State, one spot ahead of Montana, which I assume is probably good as they usually are. Yeah. Who's yeah. next, Bob? Well, at some point, I better get my spiders in here. How many have we done now that are state schools? We have done right. six state schools so far. We are on school number seven. Because you did your top whatever, seven last week, just in the state, because I remember playing off of it after your show was done. And it's not quite close to this, because I think both of us had Virginia at the bottom. So this is already different. But I better get my spiders in here somewhere. So I'm going to go Richmond next. So let me give you some uh, something here. The last two FBS programs are Kent State at 179, UMass at 180, Richmond is at 181. Oh, okay. well, they were next amongst the state schools then. Right. Correct. They are next amongst okay, the state schools. That. They uh, are. They are. So apparently, everybody in the FBS is ranked better than Richmond, which I don't agree. I think Richmond could beat UMass and Kent yeah, State. They're very yeah. bad. No. Where is you know who I've always picked on the last couple of years is Akron. 
Akron is 156. All right. They're really bad, too, right? They are. Yeah. Um, just for some notice here, um, so we did William Mary at 122. Villanova is at 138. New Hampshire is at 144. Um, right. Scrolling quickly, for uh, Rhode Island is 166, which doesn't make sense because obviously well, Richmond doesn't. beat them. And by right. the way, we have our first D2 schools showing up. Uh, Ferris State is at 175, and Grand oh. Valley State is at 176. So both They're of them are yeah. better than Richmond and better than the worst two teams in the FBS. Wow. So was um, so William Mary was the highest CAA, right? Uh, no. Delaware no. is at 118, oh, four okay. spots ahead of them. All right. Okay. Well, that, that kind of makes sense right now, too. Delaware's on a roll. So now the fun begins, Bob. We took out <laughs> our top seven. Now who's next? Oh, my God. Gosh, so now we're including the likes of Randolph-Macon and Virginia Union and Virginia State, and I still got, what, VMI in there, and then, oh, and, and probably... Uh, Norfolk State. Uh, yeah, Norfolk State and Hampton, right? Oh, I forgot or, Hampton. I'll look where Hampton is as we do this, yes. Yeah. Wow, so who's next in the state? Now it's getting, oh, that's getting tricky. I, I'm... I'm I'd love to give a little love for our two D2 schools, but I'm, I'm guessing there must be the FCSs must be a little bit. I, I would go, uh, how's Norfolk State doing this year? I don't think they're doing that great, right? They are not doing that great. By the way, I'll just tell you, Hampton is next. Well, that's what I was going to guess, actually. I was just going to say, just because they beat Richmond, I was going to put Hampton next. Hampton is at 220. So it goes Richmond 181, Elon 187. Um, looking real quick. Uh, Towson at 206. And then Hampton at 220 from the CAA. Wow. Okay. Can we jump to uh, the the D twos? Because I'm really intrigued. Yes. The the next one is a D two. Who are both having great years? So where are they? So Union is next at two thirty nine. Okay. Uh, so Union is ranked ahead of. I'm seeing if there's any CAA schools that they're ranked ahead of. I don't. Are, bel- they, are they ahead of a decent number of FCSs? Probably, right? Uh, yes, they are. Although I'm looking right. to see. So yeah, there does not appear to be any F- uh, CAA schools. So they would finish last of the, in the CAA. But still, I mean, they're better than Indiana State, Tennessee Tech, Lindenwood, so on and so forth. So Virginia Union's at 239. Next is Norfolk State at 263. Um, oh, I know who we forgot. Who'd we forget? VMI. Are they in here somewhere? VMI is six spots below Norfolk State. They're at 269. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so apparently the Silver Shaco win did nothing for the <laughs> right. uh, for the did SP plus. Right, did not help them a lot. So I got four schools left, and actually two of them are back to back. Randolph Macon is at 288, and they are the fifth ranked D three school. So there's uh, four D3 schools that are better than them on this list. Okay. That's uh, North Central Illinois, Mountain Union, Wartburg, and UW River Falls. They are the teams ahead of Randolph-Macon at 288. Okay. Uh, 289 is Virginia State. Okay. And then, um, then, then, we, then we go a while, at least right. for the schools we care about. I mean, there's probably other Virginia schools yeah. in this area, but I don't have them all. Next up is Christopher Newport at 475. Which pretty is uh, better than three, six, nine, twelve? About twenty-five D two schools, uh-huh. and then the lowest of our group that we care about, Hampton Sydney's at four ninety-one. Oh, that's a shame. And they've had a decent season. Yeah, yeah, interesting, very interesting, actually. 
Kind of cool. We may never see this list again. He might have just been bored this week, but that's... Maybe. So we had um, one FCS in like the top 50 or so, 60 or so? We had one FCS in the top 30, uh, three in the top 75, and four in the top 100. Okay. All right. Kind of cool. And and again, the highest CAA was Delaware. Yes. All right. Okay. Four spots ahead of William & Mary. Man. They just throw all the names in a computer and it and it spits it out for them or what? I I'm mean, guessing that this is just a formula like anything else, and um, he just put it in there. So I, I thought that was in. I, you know what else is interesting? Because I, I see North Dakota State is the third highest FCS school. There is a lot of unhappy people in North Dakota State land right now. That they're only the third highest? Well, no, that they lost two games oh, already oh, this year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, they are not that. happy there. And they got crushed last week. Yes. Yeah. They did. Oh, before we wrap this up, where are um, our two beloved schools, Temple and Syracuse? Uh, Temple is at 143, better than New Hampshire, um, but worse than Villanova, which doesn't make me happy. And then Syracuse is at 51 between Mississippi State and Fresno State. Wow. That's high, if you ask me, for Syracuse. Very high. Very high. But they're better than Rutgers. That's all that matters. (laughs) Fascinating. Interesting. Fun stuff there, Matt. Any other conclusions that you drew from all of this? Uh, you know, Michigan being number one's interesting. And we haven't learned anything about Michigan. They've played nobody so far. And they, I mean, their season comes down to two games it's Penn State and Ohio State. Yeah. Um, Ohio State being two, I think that's interesting too. Um, you know, obviously the win at Notre Dame, um, the way they won that game, I'm sure helps. Georgia's three, Washington is four, and Texas is five. I actually think. Um, we may see a Pac-12 team in the playoff, but I, I still don't think they're going to win. I think they're all offense and no defense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you want to go check it out, because obviously it's hard to follow, you know, through the radio. Uh, Bill Connolly's Twitter account is at ESPN underscore Bill C, okay. uh, and you can see the list there, and it's color coded and everything. And he said the projected point spread for Michigan and Fitchburg State, who's the worst, is Michigan minus one hundred and fifty six. So that's the <laughs> spread from the best team to the worst team. Where um, I, I know you don't like them, but since they're playing this week, where where is Penn State in this? Because they got Ohio State this right what, right. Week. Right. Penn State is eighth, uh, ahead of Alabama and ahead of Notre Dame and ahead of ah, Florida State, which is interesting. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Oh, I got where, where? Where is my kids? Uh, Duke Blue Devils here because they're playing Florida State. Duke is twenty second. My... All right, that's decent love for Duke football. I would say it's All pretty right. crazy to think that by these numbers, South Dakota State would win the the Big Ten West <laughs> by those numbers in the computer on paper. But it's played on the field. Do you think, Bob, that either of the Dakotas would ever go FBS? Uh, yes. Uh, and I always thought it would be North Dakota State. But now I would probably say South Dakota State. But, yes, I do think – I don't know as much about South Dakota State, although our football PR guy, Christian, spent time out there at South Dakota State, talks about them all the time. But having been to North Dakota State, I would say they – and that was several years ago, they had the look already of an FBS program, even when I was out there. I'm sure they've only enhanced it since, you know, facilities and personnel and all that kind of thing. 
Surprised they wouldn't join the Pac-12 Mountain West mashup if they decide to do that. I bet they would. Actually, I don't. I don't think they think twice about that. So, uh, you you translated that very well onto radio. I do think it's something that is better visual, but I think you did a great job with it on radio. That was fun. All right, I'll finish it up real quick with you, Matt. On the other side, we'll get to five o'clock. ESPN Sports Center update coming up after the break. One hundred six one ESPN. This weekend, the Spiders travel to Greensboro to take on the Aggies of North Carolina A&T. Catch all the action here beginning Saturday afternoon at 1230 here on your exclusive home for the Richmond Spiders. 106.1 ESPN. Finish it up the uh, mashup Monday on a Tuesday hour of the sports title. That was a lot of fun mashing up all of the college football teams in all of the levels of NCAA football and spitting it out of the computer um, for us. All right, who you got in game two tonight, Matt? We got the uh, Phils and D-backs. Are they going up to nothing? It depends on which Aaron Nola shows up, Bob. If the bad one shows up, it'll be 1-1. If the good one shows up, it'll be 2-0 with a flourish. Which it has been the good one for the most part this year, September and October, so far. So uh, let's go for that. Let's go for a 2 0 lead. But I'll tell you what, the Diamondbacks are gritty and, and they are scrappy. And they looked like they were dead in the water last night. And they got it to 5 3 with a chance to, to tie that game late. So don't, don't count them out for sure. I'm not quite the overly optimistic Philadelphian that everybody else in the city of brotherly love appears to be uh at this time anyway all right enjoy the game tonight matt uh we'll be listening for you tomorrow afternoon at three o'clock sounds good there goes matt josephs from border to border bob black with you here i'm coming back for another hour aj's gonna produce we'll talk some commanders football and some more baseball whatever might be on your mind after the espn sports center My dad has a cold, but also 